Welcome to week number 68 out of 70. Coming to the end of our uh, 70 weeks. This will be the, the one more week here at YMI uh, next week. It's coming in this morning. Wendy uh, sh showed me Psalms 9. I believe this is the word of the Lord for us to launch out uh, this morning. I was looking at the... Uh, context of Psalms 9 and it it says uh, for the music director according to the Lumoth Laben forgive me for my my Hebraic translation Almut Almut here is it means some in the Masoretic text they divide it into the form Al mut, but it means according to the death of the sun. But the Septuagint um, just keeps it al mut. And I, I just want to say that this is what I hear. The nation is being mothballed, <laughs> and a metamorphosis is upon us. A chrysalis that the nation's coming out of chrysalis into the forming of a, uh, a butterfly and from the death of the Sun the Lord will raise up a nation unto to himself a nation filled with glory a nation of people a royal family so the Psalm of David says I will thank the Lord with my I will thank the Lord with my all my heart. And I will tell about all your amazing deeds. I will be happy and rejoice in you. I will sing praises to you, O sovereign one. Reminds me of what you said, Lord. You said sovereignty rests in the individual at the point. The individual rests in the sovereign. You're the sovereign one, Lord. And when our enemies turn back, they're a trip and are defeated before you. For you've defended our just cause. And from your throne, O oh Lord, you've pronounced a just decision. You've terrified the nations with a battle cry. And you've destroyed the wicked. You've permanently wiped out all the memory of them. The enemy's cities have been reduced to permanent ruins. And you've destroyed their cities. All memory of our enemies have perished. See, what we're doing this morning, we're calling those things which are not yet as though they are. This nation is the Lord's. The Lord has given divine right from his throne to inherit in, within this nation. So the Lord rules forever because his kingdom is everlasting and he reigns in a just manner. He judges the world fairly. He makes just legal decisions concerning the nations. Consequently, the Lord provides safety for the oppressed. And he provides safety in the times of trouble. 
Those that are loyal to you, Father, we trust in you. For you, you don't abandon those who seek help from you. Sing praises to the Lord who rules in Zion. Out of this house and as we march forward into this second exodus, tell the nations what he has done. For the one who takes revenge will take revenge against the murderers and he will take notice of the oppressed. He will not overlook the people's cry for help and the ones who have been praying in this land that have said, have mercy on me, Lord. See how I've been oppressed by those who hate me. Oh, one who can snatch me away from the gates of death. I'm going to tell about your praiseworthy acts. In the gates, old daughter Zion, I will rejoice because of your deliverance. The nations will fall into a pit they have made. Their feet will are caught in a net that they have hidden. Oh Lord, reveal yourself. Accomplish your justice. And let the wicked be ensnared in their own actions. The wicked are turned back now and sent to Sheol. This is the destiny of nations that ignore the Lord. For the needy are not permanently ignored. The hopes of the oppressed are not forever dashed. Rise up, Lord, rise up now. May the nations be judged. May this nation come under your um, rightful judgment. We petition you, O oh Lord, that you would exercise your justice in this nation in our cry. Don't let men be defiant anymore and turn against you. May this nation be judged in your presence. Terrify them, Lord. And let the nations know, let everyone know that their mortality. Amen.
start this day with a song of praise. And with grateful hearts we celebrate. Haggai chapter 2 verse 3 Who among you survivors saw the former splendor of this temple? And how does it look to you now? Isn't it nothing by comparison? Even so, take heart. Zerubbabel says the Lord, take heart. Joshua son of Jehoshadak, the high priest and all you citizens of the land, says the Lord, 
and begin to work. For I am with you, says the Lord, who rules over all. Do not fear, because I made a promise to your ancestors when they left Egypt. And my spirit is even now testifying to you. Moreover, the word of the Lord, who rules over all, says, In just a little while, I'm going to shake the sky and the earth. I'm going to shake up the sea and the dry ground. I'm going to shake all the nations and they will offer their treasures. And I'm going to fill... I'm going to fill temples all over the earth with glory. Says the Lord who rules over all. The silver and gold is mine. Says the Lord who rules over all. The future splendor of this temple will be greater than the former times. And the Lord who rules over all declares, and in this place I will give peace.
chapter 2 verse 9 but you are an elect race a royal priesthood a holy nation you're a people of God's own possession Jesus, 
Exodus 23, verse 20. I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you as you journey and to bring you into the place that I have prepared. that he's prepared take heed because of him and obey his voice do not rebel against him for he will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him and do all but but if you Diligently obey him and do all that I command. Then I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will be an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel is going before you to bring you to the Amorites, to the Hittites, to the Perizzites the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will destroy them completely. You must not bow down to their gods, and you must not serve them or do according to their practices. Instead, you must completely overthrow them and smash their standing stones to pieces. You must serve the Lord your God. I will bless your bread. I will bless your water. And I will remove the sickness out of your midst. No woman will miscarry her young or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I'm going to send my terror before you and I will destroy all the people whom you encounter. I will make all your enemies. They will turn their backs to you. I'm going to send the hornets out. I'll send them out before you and I will drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittite before you. I'm going to drive them out before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate with wild animals and multiply against you. Little by little, I'm going to drive them out before you. You're going to become fruitful and inherit the land. I'm going to set boundaries from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, from the desert to the river. I will deliver the inhabitants of this land into your hand. You will drive them out before you. You must, you must not make a covenant with any of their gods. They must not live in our land anymore. Lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will be a snare to you. Word of the Lord has spoken.
not come to entertain the people in the court. I came to please the king, I want to love on you. I did not come to camp outside and view you through a haze. I've got to look into your eyes in the holy Looking at you, 
Jesus, I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking at you. I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking at you, Jesus. So I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking at you. Oh, I'm taking my eyes off of what you can do in this world, and I'm putting it on you. Oh, I'm taking my eyes off of your hands, and I'm putting them in your eyes. Oh, I fix my eyes on you. Oh, I fix my eyes on you. Oh, I fix my eyes on you, Creator. Oh, I fix my eyes on you, your creature. Oh, I'm pressing in. in I'm looking at you, 
Jesus, I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking out of you. Fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking out of you. Jesus, the word became flesh and it dwelt. Oh, make the word flesh again inside this heart. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest phrase, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. My hope 
Hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, and all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, and I rest on His unchanging grace. And in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. And on Christ the solid rock I
ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You've taught us to trust you amidst the storm. You've taught us to trust you amidst the storm. So I will put my faith only in him and rely on his unchanging grace. No other fountain that I know dare not trust the sweetest frames, but I'm wholly leaning on Jesus' name.
Everything that was made bows down to worship you. So we join in creation as creatures made for you, singing praise to our Lord. Bless the always good to be that one leper you know the one leper who returned and he just said thank you he got what he needed but he just wanted to thank the Lord So grateful to you, Lord.
Amen. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. The God of love has shot all of his arrows but can never pierce, pierce his heart, till at length he put himself into the boat. Henry Skugel, The Life of God and the Soul of Man. The book that was given to George Whitfield and a great awakening came. When all his other gifts could not prevail, he at last made a gift of himself to testify his affection and engage ours. The worth and excellency of a soul is to be measured by the object of its love. He who loveth mean and sordid things doth hereby become base and vile, but a noble and well-placed affection does advance and improve the spirit into a conformity with the perfection of that which it loves. True religion, true Christianity is the union of the soul with God. It's a participation in reality with God's divine nature. It's his very image, his image, his face drawn upon our soul. It is Christ formed within us. This is the hope of glory. Christ revealed God's own consciousness becoming our own. This is the end time move, the very love of God, the very I am of God. Comes to dwell with men, looking for a place where he could find a place, a place where he could dwell. He is the subject and he is the matter. He is the form He is all our affection. He's our very life. He is God. He is Emmanuel. He's the very God with us. 
God with us now. Not God with us future tense. God with us right now. Very present. I am, says the Lord. I am with you. Matthew 28, 20. B. I am with you. Even in the end times, all the way to the very end. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you. You can cast all your cares on me, for I am with you. Now I am with you now. There is no other like me. There's no other one like the Lord. God seeks a habitation in the praises of his people. He seeks a place to dwell. The distractions are coming off. The objects of other affections are peeling away. We are realizing that he is everything. He is the very person of a God, head, bodily. He is the life. He is our love. He is our greatest desire. You are, Lord, even now, our greatest joy, our greatest longing, our greatest perception, our greatest, Lord, have your way with us. Remove everything that hinders love. We give you permission. We let you. We want that. The Lord says to me, I will. I will perform what I have spoken to you. I have performed what I spoke in my word. I will. I will complete this work. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And yet God has appointed times and seasons and in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, he will complete what he has promised you. He will complete this work. This work that he began in you will be completed. And who you are and who you be found in him will come to the fullness of completion. Amen. Amen. Welcome to week number 68 of the 70 weeks. And I'm going to explain here in a minute, but I want to take up a, if you have a cash offering for the YMI, um, Theodore, which is, he's nicknamed Man, he comes and opens this building, he's our, takes care of this building for us. It's been such a wonderful man. <laughs> um, if you want, would like to give, you know, a gift to the YMI or to Man, we, we uh, give him some resources every week. I'd like to invite you to do that this morning. As uh, uh, Stephen plays with Austin, uh, Jesus, we thank you this morning for the blessing of this building, for the restoration of this building. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for the institute of the man young, the institute of the man child. I uh, thank you that I am, that you are with us, that that why am I has been turned into I am why. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this place in this city historically that is established by you. I pray that you'd raise up the ruins of this place and restore even in the natural and make it beautiful unto your own glory. And may it be a testimony to the greatness of who you are. In your name we pray. Amen.
Awesome. I want to begin this morning in Daniel chapter 9 and also prepare to give just a little bit of context for this. I was praying this morning asking the Lord, what, what word would you have me to give in, uh, in this particular moment? And he just keeps echoing in with this Daniel 9. And, uh, and so I want to begin there. And we can turn to there, and we're going to read through, or I'll read through the passages, and then uh, we'll begin to examine the text together. Daniel is uh, praying for God's people, and this is what we hear in the text. In the first year of Darius, son of Asherus, who was of Median descent and who had been appointed king over the Babylonian Empire, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, came to understand from the sacred books that according to the word of the Lord that was disclosed to the prophet Jeremiah, the years for the fulfilling of the desolation of Jerusalem were 70 in number. So I turned my attention to the Lord God to implore him by prayer and request with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God, confessing in this way, O Lord, you're great and awesome. You're the God who is faithful to his covenant. You're faithful with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned. We have done what is wrong and wicked. We have rebelled by turning away from your commandments and your standards. We've not paid attention to your servants, the prophets, who spoke by your authority to our kings, our leaders, and our ancestors, and to all the inhabitants of the land as well. You're righteous, O Lord, but we are humiliated to this day. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far away, in the countries in which you have scattered them because they have behaved unfaithfully towards you. Oh Lord, we've been humiliated. Our kings, our leaders, our ancestors because we sinned against you. Yet the Lord our God is compassionate and forgiving and even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God by living according to his laws that he set before us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has broken your law and turned away by not obeying you. Therefore, you have poured out on us a judgment, a solemnly threatened in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against you. He's carried out his threats against us and our rulers who were over us by bringing great calamity on us. 
What has happened to Jerusalem has never been equaled under all heaven, just as it is written in the law of Moses. All this calamity has come on us. Uh, still, we have not tried to pacify the Lord God by turning back from our sin and by seeking wisdom from your reliable standards. The Lord was mindful of the calamity and He brought it on us. For the Lord our God is just in all that He's done and we have not obeyed Him. Now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with great power and made a name for yourself that is remembered even to this day, this godly man, this righteous man, Daniel, he's, I believe he's in his 80s at this point, he says something very interesting. He says, we have sinned and done wickedly. He's taking personal responsibility for a nation's sins. That's a little bit different than trying to obfuscate around what many do in trying to get around sin, much less taking on someone else's and saying, I take responsibility for you. This is a very um, godly man. And he says, we have sinned and, oh Lord, according to your, all your justice, please turn away your raging anger and from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For due to our sins and iniquities of our ancestors, Jerusalem and your people are mocked by all your neighbors, our neighbors. What, the church is the sub-subculture today. There's a mocking of the church. Mocking of God's people. And so now, he says again, Oh Lord God, accept the prayer request of your servant and show favor to your devastated sanctuary for your own, your own sake. I mean, hey, we've messed up. We've done a lot of things we shouldn't do. We've been worshiping other idols. We don't listen to God's prophets. Uh, our kings have done their own thing. Everything's out of hand, but okay, Lord. Would you do this for your own sake? He's changing it. Listen attentively, my God, in here. Open your eyes and look on our desolated ruins. In this city... Asheville, originally called Edenland. Look at the ruins, Lord. Look down, Lord. My God, look down right now. Look down with your eyes and look on this, this ruinous place. This call by your name. For it is not because of our own righteous deeds that we're praying to you. But because of your compassion, which is abundant. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, right now, pay attention and act. Don't delay. And do it for your own sake, oh, God, for your city, for your people who are called by your name. While I was still speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my request, before the Lord my God concerning his holy mountain, yes, while I was still praying, the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen previously in a vision, was approaching me in a state of extreme weariness. It was around the time of the evening offering. 
More than likely, Daniel was feeling weary. He had been in well-doing for a long season. They had been in captivity for right at 70 years. I mean, he had been saying yes to the Lord for a long time, Daniel had. He's been pushing in. He's been pressing in to the prophetic word. He's been waiting on the Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll follow you, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm going to say and do whatever you say. He's pressed out. And any of you in this room and outside of this room that have really got a hold of God, it's really, really, like said, I'm not playing games. It can be tough. I mean, I'm going to sign up to believe you again. And again. And again. Right? And again. Oh, Lord, are you ever going to come? Right? We know this. Many of you in here know this. I, some people, you know, I can't even stand to hear another sermon. I've heard everything. It's been expounded to the nth degree. I've said it myself and I've heard it myself, right? Lord, I've come up to the edge. He's like, oh, no, not yet, not yet. Remember that? Oh, oh you think you've come up to the edge? Oh, jump a little more. I didn't, I thought I was at the edge. No, that wasn't the edge. I thought that was the edge. No, that wasn't the edge. I was pressed out all the way. I thought, now I can't make it another minute. Ah, you know, the weight of the heaviness, the goodness of God's holiness come to you as the face of God shining on you. The exposure of sin, the exposure of blessing, the goodness of God, the dual sanction of God coming there to you. It can put some weariness on the human frame. It can turn your hair white. Now, I think back of like Moses when he was right there at Charlton Heston. Henry loves this film. You know, loves, loves the Ten Commandments. Was it? Uh, who, who did that? Mel, what's his name? Right, but who wrote the film? Who did the? Yeah, Cecil D. What? Yeah, Cecil B. DeMille. Hey, I'm Moses on the backside of that thing. It's just like really cool Prince of Egypt. It's got the look. By the time God got done with him, man, it's like hair's all like this. Beards like this. It's got a big old staff. You know, it's just like, well, I told the Lord to run that guy through 40 years on the backside of the wilderness. He he's looking pretty rugged. <laughs> God gets a hold of you. <laughs> it's like, is that the same person that I used to be looking in the mirror? Where'd my youth go? You know, it's like, turn my, everything's turning silver, you know, or white. What is happening? Weariness comes on, it says, hey, back off. Just pull back. You know, you deserve it. You deserve a break. And the Lord would, I think, would say, no, no you know, no. No, come in closer to the fire. The fire where it burns hot. Get some courage about you. And come into the light through the darkness where God actually dwells. Daniel, in 80-something years, 84 years, they say in the next chapter, the Lord's going to come and appear to him. Every prophet in the room is going to run out. He's going to receive a vision from God. Even in the midst of your weariness, listen, the Lord is not going to leave us. The Lord's going to send a confirmation to you. 
He's going to bring in his word. Now, I've not just been, I've, I've been having a transition out of just repenting over my own stuff. Now I'm starting to repent for other people's stuff. I mean, it takes a real transformation of the human heart to take someone else's stuff onto yourself. You know, like what they did, you know, or, or what I did. But to say, I take responsibility nationally, that's a whole nother thing. To feel the uh, pressure come on. I'm going to hold you responsible for your nation. Well, I didn't do that. You know, I didn't do that. They did that. I didn't, I didn't do that. They did that. You just stop with that. And then to find out that even all of my repentance and all of my saying, Lord, he's, we got to transition it off of me and them and onto him. And he's going to have to say something like this. Uh, you're going to have to do this for your own sake. Because even in my repentance, it's fallen short. Not that the Lord, not, don't get me wrong, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But how are you going to deal with the whole nation's sins? So the Lord hears that heart. He hears that cry. And I want to, what I want to do this morning is, I want to take you into something that happened a, a few weeks ago concerning this ministry and what's been going on and really unpack this. And what I, I'm just going to pray right now and then we'll dig even more into this passage. Holy Spirit, I ask you that this word prevails and it prevails in us and, it, and you would be lifted up and that it would be about you, Lord. And I ask you for the anointing, Lord, to speak this message. It would come out right and it would come out with clarity. For your sake and for your glory alone, let it be so and let it be done. In your name we pray. Amen. Daniel, I heard you. I heard, I heard your prayer. I've been listening and I've come to convey something to you from the Lord. Gabriel saying this. First of all, he would want to say to him, you found great value in the Lord's sight. He'll call him the beloved. I want you to consider this, he says. The message and understand this vision. Seventy weeks have been determined concerning your people in your holy city. And there are what theologians say here, there are three couplets. Or there are six parts here, and if you take notes or you're looking at this, I would want you to like really consider what I'm to say here, that 70 weeks have been concerning your city, and here is what the outcome of this is, okay? Number one, Daniel, I'm going to put an end to rebellion. Number two, I'm going to bring sin to completion. Number three, to atone for iniquity. So I'm going to put an end to rebellion and bring sin to completion, the first couplet. Secondly, to atone for iniquity and to bring in, listen to this, to bring in perpetual righteousness. Oh, man. Oh, now, who wouldn't want that? I'm telling you, man, the thought of, like, bringing in perpetual righteousness? Oh, Jesus. I mean, the idea 
I did it again. I, I was self-referential again. I did it again. I, and it, now I'm going to bring in perpetual righteousness. Oh, that's how you'll get this done, Lord. You would never be able to get anything done with a lot of us. If you weren't going to deal with sin and rebellion, if you weren't going to atone for iniquity and bring in perpetual righteousness, I'm going to also authenticate this prophetic vision. There's a lot of people talking today and saying a lot of things. There's a lot of prophets in our land. There's a lot being said. I don't have my ears onto the ground as much as maybe some other people do. There's a lot of things being said. But the only thing that's going to matter is that which God himself authenticates. It's going to take God to authenticate his own prophetic vision that his prophets are speaking in. And if he doesn't authenticate it, let's just go ahead and say, it's not from the Lord. God's going to authenticate the prophetic vision. That's the fifth thing. The word that is in the mouth of his true company of people, his true word is going to come with power. I'm going to do this, the Lord says, in the 70th week. I'm going to bring in, and I'm going to deal with this rebellion. I'm going to deal with completing sin. I'm going to atone for the iniquity. I'm going to bring in perpetual righteousness. I'm going to seal up or authenticate the prophetic vision. And I'm going to anoint the most holy place. So know and understand from the issuing of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until an anointed one, a prince, arrives. There will be a period of seven weeks and 62 weeks and it will again be built with plaza and moat but in distressful times. Now, it's kind of funny to me because I had got up... Uh, and what would be the 66th week of this ministry, the second day. This was the 21st of uh, December. I get up that morning, and I, I go to the restroom. It's early in the morning, and I say, why did it take 63 weeks, Lord? I mean, why have we been pressing in at Collider downtown, and why am I for this? Now, this is the 66th week. I don't know that, but why did it take 63 weeks in the 63rd week for you to confirm your kingship within our ministry? Now, this is a very complex matter, but as you know, we've been going through the 22 letters. And at the 60, 61st week, going into the 62nd week, I have been about finishing up the, uh, the mem. I believe it's the 13th letter. And I was completing that mem. The Lord's got this kind of process he's put me in in Psalms 119. And he said, walk with me and spend time with me. And, and then I'm going to show you a path to complete these 22 letters. Because this problem of the human soul related to the RNA... And the expression of the RNA inside of man has to be restored. And the only way to restore it is back to its Hebraic, the way that I created you as man. 
And so I'm, you're going to go through a series of trials and tests. I'm going to use Psalms 119 as a map because Psalms 119 has 22 letters. In between each letter is eight verses. And I kid you not, and I can't go into all the details, every time we come up on another verse, without making anything happen, the verse will literally happen. It is the coolest stories, and I don't have time to explain all the stories, but it's like we're experiencing the very verse. And we'll pass through a verse, it'll be a series of trials. And at this point, I'd come up to the mem, and the Lord says, look at it. He said, look at the letters backwards. So I looked at it because, you know, Hebrew isn't written from left to right. It's written from right to left. He says, look at it. And I look at it, and in the center of the 22 letters is a word. Now, I've never heard anybody say anything about this or speak this. And I look down, and he says, what does that say? And I said, mem, lamed, kaf, yod. He said, what does that say? I said, king. He said, you see, it's right in the center. King. And I said, man, that's amazing. I mean, I, like I said, I'd never heard anybody say that. I've never read that anywhere. I was coming up to the end of, of the mem, and I believe it was the 61st or 62nd, it was 61st week, the weekend. Uh, we were having Transfiguration 80, number five, I believe it was. And we're going to come into uh, Transfiguration 86. I'm sort of like scratching my head now. Now just fast forward a little bit with me to week 66, day number two. Why did it take all those weeks, 62 weeks to 63 weeks, for you to confirm or confer kingship within this ministry? Why? And one of my questions was, is, am I so dense? Am I so like slow? I can't get the work done because of... It's been very stressful, just to say the least. And um, I go into uh, my room. I laid back down on my bed. And the Lord tells me, he's like, I want you to really pay attention right now. I'm like, I'm paying attention. You know, he's like, no, pay attention. I open up uh, Meredith Klein's book. And this book was printed on the 15th of December, 2021. I just found that, but it's God, Heaven, and Harmageddon. Covenantal tale of cosmos and telos. Anyways, I open up the book, and I open up this section on Daniel 9. And in particularly, I look down in page 145, and it says, There's a transition from the old typal pattern to a new covenant stage of the Armageddon warfare, and it will be by way of the prophetic visions of the book of Daniel. I don't have a clue what that means, right? Half the stuff I get into, I don't know. This chapter is called the Armageddon and the Messianic Finale. Jesus is coming back. And I saw this thing that God was going to take the old typo pattern, and it immediately occurs to me that he's going to take a pattern that's been within this nation, and he's going to bring in a new covenant stage. It's going to result in warfare, and the book of Daniel is spelling this out in Daniel chapter 9. He said, they'll bridge the two in that they will set forth, listen to me, the closing of an old order and the destruction of a theocratic kingdom within Israel and the establishment of a new messianic order. Pay attention, son. What are you saying, Lord? 
Well, I'm going to uh, bring down the blues and the reds. You know what I mean? I'm bringing down these uh, world empires and powers. The old covenant system of even your nation that's mosaic in its root or Judeo-mosaic, he said, I'm going to bring the whole old order down. The Lord's going to bring in a new order. Well, you know, we call this the Melchizedek order. I'm going to bring in my order. And he says, and, and we shall see this, but in the transition between the old covenant type, there's going to be an overlap that's going to happen between the old covenant type and the new one, the new order. The Lord himself is prepared for this great transition within this nation and the nations of the world. I prophetically speak to you. He, the guarantor of the covenant, the covenant that has been cut by the Lord, is going to bring in a, a new covenant order with his people on the ground, you and me. We are going to come into an agreement with a new covenant life out of the plus negative into plus plus. If you don't know what I'm saying, go listen to the podcast. The Lord is going to bring out and bring an end to the mosaic mindset of plus negative. He's going to do away with the servant in the house and bring in the sons over the house. For he is over the whole house, the house which he has built. And so this order, this God's order, the Melchizedek order, is in juxtaposition to a new world order. And Daniel is going to prophesy, actually, and I didn't really understand this, but Daniel is actually prophesying on a multi-level prophetic word concerning these 70 weeks. Now, I, I just want to say that I cannot do justice today to Daniel 9. But what I can do is tell you this, that these 70 weeks have been interpreted and I have an article, and you're welcome to it, by Dr. Gordon Hugenberger, who was my uh, Pentateuch professor at Gordon-Conwell Seminary. He talks about a critical view. We're not going to do that view. He speaks of a dispensational view. We're not going to do that view. And he speaks of a traditional view. And we're not going to do that view. There's probably another view. I think there's four of them. One's probably deals with the allegorical interpretation. One deals with an uh, mill interpretation. One deals with a post-mill. And one deals with a pre-mill interpretation. Well, I'm not here to do any four of those. I'm here to actually give another word. It's just the one that I've been receiving from the Lord. Now, I want to say this because people listen to this. I know they will. And I invite anybody listening to this and you yourself, please go and listen to Total Recall. It's a 57X dot Total Recall. It's in the podcast series. Go listen to it. Because in the middle of God, this world stage beginning to shift... The New World Order is going to, you're going to see them come online. The blue and the red is a cover for it. They're going to come online, and as they do, and we go into a global economy, and this nation, the currency and everything crashes, because this is going to happen. I want you to be mindful that while all this is going on in the New World Order, 
God in the middle of this is raising up his order. And there are two different temples. There is the temple, the third temple, where the abomination of desolation, where the Antichrist will come to say and end the sacrifice and the offering. Listen, he won't end it and he will say, worship me in my image. And he will institute a mark. But, but hear, hear me now. God is after another temple. God is after the temple inside of you. That's why you're feeling the shakedown in the Christian church. And that's why the facilities are not going to cut it anymore. Volunteerism isn't going to cut it. And the offerings of the church aren't going to cut it anymore. Because the Lord himself in Hebrews chapter 10 is saying, so what? He's saying, sacrifice and offering I do not desire. But a body is what I'm looking for. The Lord doesn't want to left-based, blue, sacrificial, volunteer, libertarian army raised up anymore. He never did, actually. He doesn't want our right-based, let's pad each other's pockets in the back corner of a room somewhere because we all got a professional program that we can do and make sure everybody else does good because we have the insider trading thing going really good up in Wall Street or whatever else. The Lord is done with the blues and the reds. I'm here to announce to you that what he was after is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That what he's after is a purple royal family. And the Lord is going to bring an end to the SO himself. He wants us to throw the whole thing out with the SO system. Out with the blues and the reds. It's political, it's economical, and it's religious. It's inculcated itself into every facet of human life. It's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And yes, while we were meant to look at it, we are never to eat from it. And our forefathers ate from it. And so God sent us back down here to Eden when He said, I'm going to get me a company of people. They're going to want the temple inside. They're going to give up their whole body to me. They're not going to resist anymore. They're not going to restrain or become good hedge fund managers. They're going to let me have my full way with them. It's going to make our enemy the laughing stock. They're going to become the rightful inheritors. They're the, my royal family. I purchased them. I'm going to do away with it just like the Antichrist will. He'll try to mimic the Lord on everything. The Lord wants to end the SO system itself before the Antichrist does in the third temple. He's going to end it with us right now. The Lord's tired of it. He wants your whole body. He wants your DNA. He wants your RNA. He wants all of you. He don't want you hedging. He wants your whole self. He wants to love on you. He wants to come inside and dwell with you. He wants you. I was telling him at Madison's last night, I've never been so loved in all my life. And I don't, I've got good parents that love me. But oh my Lord, the Lord, the love of the Lord to be desired by him and wanted by him just for your, because he loves you and he calls you his beloved. It's worth getting rid of the whole SO system, man. Throw the thing in the trash can. Because when the Lord's love comes down on you and he's everything and you're everything to him, God knows it's the best thing that's ever happened to us. Oh, Lord.
trash can. Let it burn. Let the whole thing burn to be loved and to, to be loved by him. To have your internal mechanism of your whole soul, your whole entire being be known by him that he's with you. He's with you. He's Emmanuel. He's right here. He's right now. He's right. There he is again. There he is again. There he is again. How'd he do that? How'd he do that? How'd he do that? He came on me again. It's you, Lord. It's you, Lord. It's you. Oh, my Lord. Why would we play with that thing when we can have him? No, we, he wants to give us everything. Everything for life and godliness. Everything I have is yours. And he's no respecter of persons. Don't think he respects me any more than he respects you. He'd do the same thing for anybody that's called by his name. Anybody. This is the glory of this end time move. The glory is out will come into the RNA. It'll hit the human heart. Covenant will be restored. And in this covenant, the expression, like some of the true prophetic voices are speaking, will change in one generation. One generation, it'll be changed instantly, like in the twinkling of an eye, and we will all be filled with the covenant of God. No more anybody has to tell me. Well, I don't need a teacher anymore. I know where to go. I know what to do. It's the Lord. There he is. There he is. There he is. It's the glory, man. I was reading this. Uh, I was reading this back to 66, day two. And I said, oh. He said, I'm a, I look down, page 147. I'm initiating the restoration. That's Acts 3.21. And Jesus is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. Jesus is under a legal retainer. Oh, yeah, you're initiating the restoration. That's what he's saying to Daniel. I'm initiating this. And from the going forth of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, the Lord said, what I say to you? I said, well, it was Henry Todd, and we were in a prayer meeting. And uh, Henry Todd said, uh, Pastor, I, I think you need to, we, need to, we need to look at Hezekiah when he opened up the temple. And I said, uh, he told me this like three weeks before it. Two weeks later, some, I'm in the prayer meeting again. The Lord said, you listen to Henry Todd. And I said, uh, <clears throat> did you hear what that man of God said to you? And I said, uh, I'm listening, Lord. <laughs> he said, look at it, look at it. And so I go in and I look at Hezekiah up in the temple. This was in 2020. The Lord said, look at the date when he opened it. And then bring it up to, the, to today's date. And that was September the 20th, 2020. The Lord said, you start the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the temple on September the 20th, 2020, and here we began at the YMI. Oh, in Edenland. And oh, what a story we've been in. Oh, it's a good story. The reformation to the restoration of man. He said, uh, you remember I said that? I said, yeah. He said, okay. And then he, this is when he'll tell me, how many weeks? Well, it says here that you had uh, ordered uh, 70 weeks. So this is when I'm like starting to look at it. I was like, 70 weeks? Because it says here, I've issued this command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem for a period of uh, seven weeks there and um, 62 weeks. My eyes, man, I, I was like, why did the seven weeks come before the 62 weeks? I, and the Lord kind of speaks this to me because I'm reversing the curse. 
He said, on the world, it'll be 62 weeks and, you know, it'll be seven weeks and then 62. But on you guys, it'll be 62 and then seven. Because I'm going to restore a temple. I set a decree. I, I'm going to restore the temple inside of men. I want to put covenant back in place because I'm coming to a palace that I actually am going to have to build myself inside of you. I'm going to restore it. I'm going to restore it in Edenland where it was all broke down. And so I was, I was like, this is 66 weeks. We're four weeks out. I mean, this is, you've ordained 70 weeks. This is, this is remarkable. And I loved it when it said it'll be in distressful times because I was like, that's the truth. <laughs> I never had so much stress in all my life. I've never been through so many, oh, you know, you know what I mean. Don't hold that hurt, Lord. Oh, my goodness, Lord. That's not, I'm going to fix that, and I'm going to cut that, and I'm going to cut that, and then I'm going to put myself in there. You know, you stop complaining all the time when you get up close to the Lord's face, and you're like, do it again, Lord. I love the vacancy. Stephen, I remember, because we had talked about this, like, you know, when that vacancy comes in our events, and we're like, and then we were like, press through the vacancy, press through the vacancy. He's like, dude, it's good on the other side. Maybe we should just lean into the vacancy. You know, like Brad Ames calls it the infinite disparity. Okay, we'll just jump into the infinite disparity. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there he is. Every time he meets us. Oh, I would challenge you that when the vacancy comes and you feel all dried out and the stress starts to come and you're like, somebody's saying something about you and you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know how you're going to make it, you'd be like, this is my greatest moment. I'm going to die right now. <laughs> it feels like that. Oh, it's time to sign up and die again. Corey Asbury's got this song with Gabriel Price, I believe. He says, Lord, give me the grace to die. I repent. I love that. Give me the grace. Give me the grace to come up to you again when I don't look like you so that I can begin to become like you. I looked down at my book. He says, after the 62 weeks. And it was so funny because I was like, asked the Lord about the 63rd week. He said, now look, look at it. And so I started looking at it more and he says, yet while prosecuting a lawsuit of the Mosaic Covenant. The Lord's bringing a suit against the Mosaic Covenant. This plus negative thing does not work. So I'm gonna bring my own lawsuit against it. I'm like, you're bringing a lawsuit against the covenant that he wrote about you? Well, this thing got off. This thing was meant to be Abrahamic. The prophets also proclaimed the promises of an Abrahamic covenant and were the heralds of the Messiah and the new covenant. Now listen, you know, a lot of people say they believe in a new covenant. You can say whatever you want to, I guess. But reality is different than what your mouth says sometimes. You're either a charlatan or you're a double talker or whatever, or you're hedging. But you can't say I'm a new covenant person if you don't live a new covenant lifestyle. I know that that hurts. But it's going to take the Lord to fix this. That's why he's going to have to prosecute his own lawsuit. We could say whatever, we can write whatever, but until our life matches with a rejection of an SO system, 
We don't believe it. Just get truthful with yourself. And that's why you'll hear old wineskins, and you'll say, yeah, something don't sound right. You know why? Because this isn't reality. It's got to be reality where you're leaping and jumping into, into God every time. You're not hedging. You're not afraid. You're not mad. You just are glad. I'm jumping into the arms of the Lord. I, we will never make it. Oh, we made it. We're not going to make it. We don't have an essence. We made it. They're the heralds of this Messiah. So, to the prophecy of the 70 weeks makes known. Listen to this. Before the collapse of the typal kingdom. Guys, you have to understand this. The Lord gets a people that are like SO non-compliant. You know what that means? It means that the typal kingdom is coming down because he found some people to put in the new government. He found some families that were willing to install his government. As soon as he does, he foxes have holes, birds have nests, the son of man has no place to seat his government. Well, as soon as he has a place to seat his government, a place where he can dwell, you know what happens to the old typo kingdom? Boom! Crash. Why? Because he just installed his new one. You know, that happens in foreign wars and stuff. They'll go in, they take over... Whatever, they take out the old government, they put in and install the new one. Well, hey, welcome to that. And welcome being a part of the government of God. It's all built off of love. It's built off a relationship with the Father. Uh, Jeff Manny asked me a few years ago, he said, Carol, if you were to describe the Melchizedek order, what would you say? And I mean, my head's like, and then I was like, okay. He's like in like one or two sentences. A father that loves his son and the son loves the father. A daughter that's loved by the father and the daughter loves the father. There it is. Complete union. Before the collapse of the typal kingdom, the foundations of the enduring messianic kingdom has to be laid. Now, I can't go into all this, but then the Lord's like, go to York, Pennsylvania, and that's a really cool story. Tom comes up there, and uh, Donnie, Bruce Peace, whose name happens to be Donald, means royal ruler. Bruce means uh, from the woods like Ephraim, peace. That God would put peace between Judah and Israel. Tom represents the northern kingdom. I'm going to come as a representative of the southern kingdom. We come there, throw that ring I've had for 10 years that appeared on my Bible into an old furnace that was called Helm Forge originally. Done. Go through a widow's house. The Lord delivers her. Brenda Diane Landis. Her name means the flaming sword of the heavenly divine ruler of the land. I thought, what an interesting name to have in York, Pennsylvania. Why? Because God's going to install his kingdom. The Lord is installing this. And many of us have had work in this in the prophetic. God's placing in his ground and mining his ground within this nation ahead of time before he brings this nation down on its knees. Why does that have to happen? Because the dollar cannot be the reserve currency of the world. Let's just put it that way. This has all been ordained back at Jekyll Island. Y'all know that story probably, but it all has to happen. And just go ahead and get ready for it. They're going to have to go to a global, probably crypto or some kind of currency because they have to set up their system. Well, let's not think too much on that. Let's think on what the Lord's doing in us. 
We don't be afraid. We have him. I looked down and said, the covenant of self is correct. You know, there's a, there's that honing in of covenant. Enemy wants to steal your witness. He wants to take your faithfulness. He wants to get you to hedge just a little bit. He don't want much, just a little genuflexure in your nature. Just a little get off, just a little. Just go left a little bit and lean into your own guilt or self-pity. No, go right and lean into how amazing you are. He just wants to get you off just a little bit. And the Lord says, stop it. I paid for all this. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. He wants to get you into somebody else's sin or your own. The Lord said, no, look at me. Stop what you're doing. Worship me and worship me only. Get your eyes. You got your eyes on the wrong thing. You got your eyes on the wrong thing. Don't go left or right. Just come right up the middle right here where the wisdom is. Don't let a double-minded man think he'd receive anything from the Lord. Now, it really, really was interesting to me because in 926a, it says it prophesies that the advent of the Messiah, he will not receive the honor that is actually rightfully his. Now, I want to speak to this because it says there will not be to him the submission that is due to a divine king. So he comes forward like in this way, and then he's delivered over to death. You know, when Jesus actually shows himself at the Mount of Transfiguration, right after that, he's going to the cross. This kind of really stumped me because when we were finishing up Mem Lamed Kaf Yod, which spells king, I thought, man, this is it. This thing's going to boom. We're in place. We got the kingdom. We got the king and the kingdom. And all of a sudden, it got worse. Now, I want to say this to you because a lot of times we come up on the prophetic word that's been sure... And then all of a sudden, something happens, and there's a, what appears to be a backing off of the word that God's given. It feels like that it's dead, that it wasn't true. Hear me, hear me, because I speak to you, and I know that I speak to you. Now, I'm going to tell you how, to, how you can picture this. Uh, Carol was asking me this. We're on our way up to York, Pennsylvania. She said, I don't understand what you mean. And I said, well, you're Cinderella. And uh, so she goes and gets a movie, Cinderella Puts it in a thing, we're listening to it, driving up the road. If you take notes, take these notes. Meredith Klein says this. Listen, listen to me. He said, the first thing that has to happen with man, because what happened in the garden was Adam and Eve failed their probation. Now, I don't know if y'all understand it like that, but God introduced temptation into the garden to test them in what was called probation. And Adam and Eve failed their probation. Anybody ever been into work in a job that you had to go through a year of probation? Anybody here? Some of you here, I've, I've had that happen. like you'll be in a year of probation or so to see if you cut the mustard and fit the bill. And if you do, we will actually hire you at that point and give you some more benefits, right? What happened with Adam and Eve was they were in the garden. The Lord introduces the temptation with a word and says, you can have everything in here, but you can't have that. You can't eat from that tree. But well, that's not fair. I've heard that in my house a lot. That's not fair. You can't tell them they can do something and I can't. Well, I can't. I got, I'm like, you have everything. You can't have one thing. Can't have that pencil. That's the very thing they want. You, you tell somebody they can't have something, they're like, 
That's all they meditate on. Or is that just me and my family? Nope, you can't have that. Oh, that's what I want now. I got everything, but I want that one thing. That's what happened to them. And they failed probation. And now there was only one way that anybody would ever pass probation. He's called second Adam in us. The Lord sends us here. And this is what he tells me. At week 62, he says, conduct a pass and review. I didn't know what he was talking about. That's a parade term in the military. Stephen and I meet. We run a pass and review. I said, the Lord's showing me this, but I didn't understand at the time. You have passed probation. I was driving home after finding that out, and I was like, we passed probation? And the Lord says, you passed probation. And he says, you passed probation. I was like, that's an interesting thing. I was driving home. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, remember when you became an Air Force officer? I said, yeah. He said, and when they commissioned you? I said, yeah. And remember the thing they gave you? And I was like, yeah, the, my commissioning statement. He said, what was on it? I said, I received a reserve commission. I was like, why did I get a reserve commission? Well, in my field, I couldn't, and I think a lot of the Air Force officers, they won't give you what's called a regular commission until you pass probation. So even though I was a lieutenant, in fact, I hadn't had my regular commission until I passed through trials. And the trial for me was go and demonstrate that you can fly an airplane. And when you finish all of your training, at the end of that, when they go through the winging ceremony, after that, they would change my commission to a regular commission. Now, I want to talk to you here because what's been going on with a lot of us is God has said some things about you and me and then placed us into probation. You've had the prophetic word spoke over your life and you know yourself to be whatever he said that you, who you are. And you know this from the Lord. And some people go into long seasons of probation and some of them pass it. Some of us have been hedging. Let me tell you something. You can't pass probation with the Lord under an SO system. I'm just going to tell you. Because it's always a hedging. He won't have you pass probation under a mosaic mindset. You can only pass probation in a new covenant mindset. This is to like get everybody in through probation faster. Because I can tell you after 18 years, it's a long time for the Lord to finally confirm you pass probation. I come in down here, downtown Edenland, and all these allegiances and desires and everything that come up, and where are we going to put your attention and on the you know all these things? And this is happening in your life. And I want to just tell you, the Lord may speak something over your life, and it may be in fact as true as the day is long, but the Lord has an order in the way He does things, and you have to pass probation. Jesus paid the price for your probation, but He's not going to pass it for you. And now some people they don't like to hear that. They, my, I'm an overcomer. I get everything. God, Jesus overcame for me. I don't have to overcome anything. Uh, not true. Let me just tell you. It doesn't say to, because Jesus overcome you, you get all these things. It says to him who overcomes. There's seven aspects of probation right there in the seven churches. I've taught it before, but it's extensive. You've been going through the trials that you're in to come up to probation. 62 weeks. 
So when I found that out, I said, oh, Lord, that's not too bad. He said, yeah, because I ordered 70 years on Israel. I was like, oh, thank God. And 400, almost 500 years on the earlier guys. I was like, oh, Jesus. Well, I don't want to go through a probation that's 500 years or 490 years. I don't want to go through a probation that's 70 years. I was like really grateful for 70 weeks. Do you hear what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be a long time. But what the Lord is looking for in, in you and in me, he's looking for something. The way he tells me, you know, you pass probation, I'm going to give you a regular commission. I was like, oh. And uh, I have this complex passing review, which I want to deliver. It's, it'll be like eight podcasts. I haven't even done, done, done them. But they basically detail out how probation actually works. Now, Meredith Klein says that if man would have went through that probation, if Adam would have passed, he would have begun to fill the earth and build cities all over the earth apart from sin. And as we know, that did not happen. Adam's seed that came out in the next generations got a murderer right there. I mean, I mean that, that thing went bad right off the bat. And of course, again, why we need a second Adam? Because none of us could pass probation, actually, without Jesus. Now, you may be justified, but what I'm speaking of in probation is your sanctification. Now, I'm not speaking of justification right now. I'm speaking of sanctification. And so, but if Adam would have passed probation and filled the earth of what Klein calls, he would have went out and built megapolis or polises, cities. Polis means city or megapolises, big cities all over the earth until one day there would be metapolis and metapolis would be the glorification of man. Now, this ministry is directly assigned by the Lord, pioneer for a glorified body, what Klein calls metapolis, to, to go all the way to glorification. And this is what he shares with me, and I, so I can help you understand this. Klein says that if he would have passed that, the next stage he would have went through, man, was conferral. And conferral was broke up into two different components, confirmation and consummation. Again, probation, conferral. And out of conferral would become confirmation and consummation. Kara says, I don't understand. I said, well, let's look at Cinderella. Did everybody know the story of Cinderella? Cinderella is the rightful heir to her daddy's estate, right? Her daddy dies. And before he dies, he marries her wicked stepmother. Well, becomes, she reveals who she is and two wicked stepsisters, right? Now she's on the out. She's, uh, she's cleaning the floors. She's doing all the servanthood stuff. She does, no one knows who she is, hardly at all. She's in the back. She's doing all that. Nobody knows that she's the daughter of a lord. It's all gone. Cinderella is going to learn what it is to take courage and be kind. She goes through a probationary period. Is she the rightful heir to that estate? Actually, yes. Has it been co-opted by some other foreigner? That is not, well, is by legal document, yes, the, mo the mother would have been right. She's the daughter. She's the bloodline. What happens? That probation lasts up to, and pain for years lasts up into, uh, the fairy godmother comes. And endows her with, uh, there's a call in the land for all the maidens to come to the great ball. And she's endowed now with 
Something that is put over her that no one knows it's her. She gets a pumpkin and the mice turn to horses and she goes to the ball. She's going to dance with the future royal. Remember, the uh, thing wears off. What I would suggest to you is at that point she had been conferred upon. But there was this feeling inside of her that made, and actual, she had to run out of there. But she leaves one thing behind, what? A glass slipper. Oh, now we got to go throughout the whole land and find who does this glass slipper belong to. Finally, in the film we were watching, she's locked up in a tower. There's no way he's going to ever find her. She's singing a little song. It seems like that everything is over for her. She has the right of her dad's land. Now she's loved by the king, the future king himself. How will she ever be known? She can't come out and make herself known. And this is the thing, I want to say this in conferral. The desire would be to go grasp. No. Won't she sing a little melody? Won't she just be quiet? Because this shoe can only fit you. There's a slipper for everybody, so to speak. But there's a shoe that fits for you. And there has to come one day when God confirms, and this is what I believe this 70 week is about. I believe that the 62 weeks are about passing probation. I believe that the next seven weeks are considered conferral. God wants to confer what he has planned for you onto you and give it to you freely, your inheritance. Then comes confirmation. That's what he says. I've ordained these six things. I'm going to confirm my covenant with my people. And there's a consummation coming, ladies and gentlemen. There's a securing of the entitled heaven reality. It's greater. It's greater than what you think you lost in your probation. The Lord's going to up the ante and outdo everybody. He's going to give himself. He's not going to just give himself. He's wanting to give title deeds. He's wanting to give lands. He's wanting to give people. He's wanting to give so much more than what appears to have been lost. You are a royal family. You're a holy priesthood. You've been called out of darkness into this marvelous light. Everything then would say, Lord, teach me how to pass probation. I'll do whatever you say. Uh, you hear that crazy guy saying that plus negative, that, that SO system doesn't work? Okay, how do I throw that thing in the trash can? You know, if you're truthful to yourself, you realize that you always wanted to be desired. If you're truthful to yourself, you always realize you wanted to be delighted in. That's why this message is so wonderful. Because you don't have to go around getting someone else to delight in you anymore or desire you. Because no one can meet the human heart like the Lord himself. No one can touch the human heart like he does. Now let's stand together. There's a movement that is coming beyond the 
Securing of an entitlement from heaven, Klein says, to the actual bestowal of an eternal inheritance. Listen, listen. What this movement is about is it's moving beyond just an entitlement or titles. The Lord is wanting to install and bestow an eternal inheritance onto us. This is going to go beyond just title deeds and nations. This is yea unto a glorified body. This is the purpose that God has designed and desired that, that His very own Shekinah, His golden Shekinah, would dwell among men again. And man would be so transfixed and transformed and transfigured by His glory. That would be changed. In the flash, at the last trumpet, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. What's about to happen, you will watch this. You will see this in the news. You will watch this with your own eyes. And you'll be right in the middle of it too. The Lord's going to transfer the title deeds of the earth over to his people, the royal family. It's going to be a big upset to the enemy and all his cronies, the wicked, the reprobate. They're not going to like it. They're going to kill some of our people. But the Lord has to transfer it over to uh, his sons and daughters, uh, onto us. This transfer is happening. It's happening right now. Don't miss it. There is, and, and, and Tom McManus has a really good work on this, there is the ability to miss out. Don't play around with your relationship with Jesus right now at all. I'm behind, Carol. Okay, whatever. Do whatever he says to do today. Whatever he says, do it. Don't hedge on the Lord. Don't play games with this. It, it isn't going to matter here in about whatever, how many years out. It isn't going to matter. It ain't going to matter about all that. What's going to matter is that your life became a testimony of I only did what I saw my father doing. It isn't going to matter what anybody else says. It isn't going to matter what anybody else thinks. What's going to matter is Him. Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue confess that the Lord's the Lord. This is coming and it's come right now. It's coming in. The kingdom of heaven is upon us right now. It always has been here. It's just that as you and I begin to pass through probation and we go into conferral and into this great, great confirmation that's coming. Revelation 12, man-child. The Revelation 12, understand, of Michael throwing the enemy down to the earth. It's upon us. Now, a nation be born in one hour. Isaiah 66. Yes. I'll raise a nation up and depose a nation in one hour. In one hour, the Lord will do it. Isaiah 66. Revelation 12, Micah 5. Look at the text. It's all right there. 
I love this because the Lord's like, out of Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Harkens back to Ruth chapter 4, verse 11. It says, and may the woman entering your house, speaking to Boaz, may she be as Rachel, beautiful, Leah, fruitful. And may you, Boaz, may you find, I believe it's fame in Bethlehem and prosperity in Ephrathah. It's, it's, it's one or the other, but may fame and prosperity come on you. Out with Moab, out with Ammon, out with the foreign gods, out with the foreign nations, unto the Lord. Out of Bethlehem, the house of bread, out of the little nothing place of not being known, out of the place of full exposure, God will raise up his government. God will raise up a people. God's raising up you. I ask you to take seriously How is SO affecting me? Am I depending on an inferior system? Or do I have my full trust in the Lord? Am I hedging? Am I playing mind tricks with myself? Am I telling myself one thing and living another? Or is my reality my reality with God? Is it today? Because if it's not, let's get it. Whatever He says, it doesn't matter whatever it is, just do that. Just do whatever He says. It's free, actually. You know, you think, oh no, I'm going to. I'm going to be cutting and things going to hurt. Well, it does hurt a little bit, but it's way more freeing. You'll be liberated. You'll walk in liberty like you've never walked in liberty. You'll walk in love like you've never walked in love. You'll walk in connection with others like you've never walked in connection with others. Listen, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is way better than what we've settled for. He himself is better every time. And Jesus said, for freedom I came to set you free. Freedom's sake, God, when He comes, it's for freedom. So the Lord's not placing you in it. More bondage and corruption and problems. That's We're saying no more to that. It takes a trust in Him. Today we trust you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's take a, a communion together. You've taken precious from the worthless given us beauty for ashes love void you have chosen the weak things of the world to shame that which is strong and the foolish things to shame the wise you are help to the helpless strength to the strengthless and a father to the child who's left alone and the thirsty you've invited to come to the waters and those who have no money come and buy so So
Lamb will overtake the reaper, and our hearts will be the threshing floor, and the move of God we've cried out for, it will come, it will surely come, so times it's just an act of your own will it's just a surrendering of your will to him you know you might not find him sometimes in your emotions and in your intellect actually I don't think many times I've ever found him there at all at all don't go looking there it could deceive you or it could be the it could be self-referential or the basis upon which you feel in control Lord will come to you in a way that probably will surprise you. Just give time for him and wait on him. Just, just basically posture your heart to him and just say, Lord, I want you. It's real simple like that. He's not like crossing his arms, angry God, Father. No, no, no. He's not like that. He's real tender. He'll surprise you, but keep your eyes open. And what I mean is can't see him when you're doing your own thing and what I mean is you're doing your own thing when you're not dependent on him but when your heart is dependent on him he'll meet you every single time say God doesn't speak to me God isn't talking to me I don't know where he's at just posture your heart for him he'll meet you and driving down the road you know he'll meet you at your house he'll meet you through a, a bird chirping outside he'll meet you in all kinds he'll meet you through poetry and he'll meet you in a book like he met me he'll meet you He'll meet with you. He's not hard to get to. He's right there, actually, right now. We don't have to make it hard. He's just a step away. He's just right there. He's right there passing. He's right there. He's, he's not hard to get to. He's not frustrating the process. He's not trying to make it hard. And he loves you and he delights in you. He longs for you probably more than we long for him. He longs to have sweet fellowship with you. He desires you and He delights in you. It's that great pull of knowing that that's drawn me so many times to Him as I, I realize I'm feeling all this stuff, but it, okay, I'm thinking all this stuff, but all of a sudden, 
He wants me. Next thing you know, there he is. He's so loving. His very essential nature is love. And he loves you. He loves you very much. And he wants to give you something way beyond what you can even ask or think or imagine. Anything you've ever conceived of. It's beyond where you're at right now. It's brand new. And his mercies are new every morning. Every morning when you wake up, he's brand new. He'll be a brand new to you. You'll be like, oh my goodness, how did you do it again? How did you show up on me again? I thought we exhausted all you could do. No, you'll never stop loving. You'll never stop giving. Don't be afraid. When you feel yourself want to hedge, recognize that and just say, Lord, I just... Or when you mess up and you do, you sin, you say, oh, I messed up. Just repent and go right back into his arms. Just do it again and again and again and again and again and be transformed. Be transfigured into the glorious light of the Lord. And the Lord took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. up and he said this is the blood not of the SO system not of the mosaic typal kingdom but this is the blood of the new covenant which pours and pours and pours out for you do this in remembrance of the Lord may the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you May you know that you're his desire and his delight. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.